0: This is, is the Bristol, Bristol Cable. Cable. ACORN is a union made up of members of the community. To say that ACORN is irrelevant, it is literally saying that the community is irrelevant. And I don't think that is the kind of message
1: the mayor of Bristol should be putting across. I'm Neil Mags, and this is Bristol Unpacked, speaking to fascinating Bristolians on topics where others Fear to tread, brought to you by the city's community-owned media, the Bristol Cable.
0: I wanted to ask the mayor a question. That's it. Okay. You guys have all around here, circling me, making me look horrendous. When I just wanted to ask the mayor, while he enjoys his food, while people are displaced and have nowhere to go. In the last few
1: months, Wesley Bear has been at the heart of actions by Acorn, the community union, for standing up for tenants' rights, which originated in Bristol almost a decade ago. So you've just heard an altercation between him. He's Acorn's community officer and security guards at the Holiday Inn in Bristol City Centre, where residents of Barton House, who were evacuated from the Tower in November, have been temporarily housed. The recording captures Wesley trying to speak to Bristol's Mayor Marvin Rees during an incident that he claims ended with him being assaulted by security staff. And it's the latest episode in a downward spiral in relations between the Mayor and the council, more widely and Acorn activists. In the last few weeks, the union has been calling out the council over its handling of this situation. And uh, they were moved out suddenly over fears the structure was unsafe. And Acon want an independent inquiry into this. And it's also been taking the council to task over proposals to reduce council tax relief for the poorest households. That's now been overturned and scrapped. Things weren't always so oppositional, though. They used to get on. So what's turned them so sour? What exactly does Acon believe the council's done wrong in its handling of the tower block emergency? Does the union really speak to the wider Barton Hill community? And does Wesley, as a communications man, see any way back to friendlier ties between ACORN and the powers that be? Enjoy. Hey Wesley, how you doing mate? Yeah, I'm good, really good. How are you? I'm well. So, God, we've got so many things we can talk about. So you're, you're the official comms officer for ACORN. Is that nationally or is that just in Bristol? No, that's just Bristol. So I was elected by
0: ACORN Bristol members to be Bristol Communications Officer. So yeah, we do have separate national comms, but not there yet.
1: And uh, ACORN is a membership organisation that kind of started off representing renters that had complaints in uh, accommodation, particularly sort of against slum landlords. Mm -hmm. It started in Bristol and it's grown to how many cities now in the UK?
0: Oh, well, I think, well, now you're testing me, aren't you? Can I say loads? <laughs>
1: yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I think I've been told that it's about 25, I think, 25 to 30, I might, or branches rather than cities, maybe
0: yeah yeah because we've got a couple of we've got acorn bristol which is like the main branch but then we have like the separate hillfields branch um which are quite big as well so yeah we have like little district groups as well as the overall city group okay how long have you been involved I've I'm relatively recently involved with Acorn actually. So I joined Acorn in the summer after um a family member of mine was going to be evicted, no-fault eviction and, and um he was a member of Acorn. I saw like the eviction resistance with my own eyes and saw like literally the power of the people and I couldn't help but get involved. And um, obviously, yeah, only a few short months down the line, I'm an elected committee member. So I've thrown myself into it. I mean, I love it. It's nice to be able to stand up for people who might not necessarily be able to stand up for themselves.
1: And we'll go on to talking about your kind of well, quite infamous recent incident after the Barton house fiasco of being thrown out of the Holiday Inn but also Mm -hmm. your face was also familiar I was like who's that I recognize him because you were one of the people that would stormed City Hall weren't you and stood up I was indeed shouting at the mayor and your face was put on was went a bit viral on Twitter with a split screen to the the face of Mayor Marvin Reese and Kevin Slocum the head of his office looking really pissed off at this (laughs) proceedings it was a classic photo
0: yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it, it is um, quite a good one, That I mean, his face... The, the picture obviously captures his face, but it doesn't really do it justice. I was there both times. We went into City Hall to disrupt it. And yeah, he wasn't happy at being called out and uh, I think that was because they, there were some other members of the public who were there by invite I believe who were waiting to mm. have their say and when they heard like what we were mentioning it was real funny to hear catcalls calls from the rest of the public gallery just saying listen to them Marvin listen to them what were you in that for just
1: for people that don't know
0: So we were going in just to, we have had a campaign, which we've recently won, actually, because Bristol City Council were attempting to to make changes, significant changes to the council tax reduction benefit. So we took on the campaign to save that benefit for the second time, like we did in 2017. So we were in there just to call on Marvin to come and sit down and have a conversation about other possible alternatives.
1: And um, you say you won. Because recently they've just announced the policy, I think, last, and the back end of last week. As you say, twice you've tried to oppose what they were doing, and they've gone along with the policy that you were suggesting. So you see that as a victory for Acorn?
0: Absolutely, we see it as a victory. I mean, well, we don't know of anybody else who was putting any pressure on the council to keep this council tax benefit. The only pressure mm-hmm. was coming from Acorn. So we absolutely do believe that that decision, the U-turn decision, was a was a direct result of our campaign. Just like last time, it seemed for a very long time that we were getting nowhere. And then out of the blue, much like this time round, they made a statement saying that the benefit was going to stay. So we absolutely take it as a,
1: a huge victory, yeah. And would you give credit to the council for changing their mind?
0: I never give credit where you do things that you're supposed to do. For me, credit comes from going above and beyond for the people. So, no, I believe that in this city we have the right to be able to live peacefully, safely, to a reasonable standard at the very least. And I think given the fact Mm. that the cuts in the council tax reduction would have only hit the poorer people of our city, I, I know I don't give any credit for the U-turn. I think it's what should have always been done. The council tax benefit yeah. should have always been there for the people who need it.
1: And do you find it hard to get your head around a Labour Party that it's in the word Labour, it's a unionised and still receives money, a lot of money from unions, which is there to represent the working man, the working woman, would really? even consider doing that? Do you find that a slightly odd stance?
0: Yeah, I mean, it is odd. I, I didn't really understand it when the consultation first came out or the, the first broke that the council tax benefit could potentially be going. Because you're right, it doesn't really seem like like a Labour policy. So it was a bit of a shock. But as I said, we did what we could and we managed to save it a second time. So I guess it's all, all, all's good that ends okay,
1: right? Sure, sure. And, and I said about the face of, of the mayor that looks mightily annoyed at what he would see is this sort of rude interjection. I think he called it, he compared it to storming Capitol Hill. What did <laughs> yeah, you think about yeah. it? What did you think about it when he said that?
0: Well, I just, I just think it's silly. I mean, you know, we—it's not like we're a bunch of radicals at Acorn. You know, we're a community union made up of members from the community. And Marvin often tries to separate Acorn from the community without realizing or accepting even that we are the community. So when he turns around and tries to insinuate that we aren't do-gooders for the want of a, of a better word, it's just—I find it utterly ridiculous because he—he's hmm. so far out of touch with his community. That he doesn't even understand that the community have come together
1: through Acorn and voice concerns in the ways that we do. So I think he probably would have seen, and where you're interested to talk to as well. And and you know, you're you're from Bristol yourself.
0: I am Bristol born Bristol bred. Yeah, grew up around Stokes Croft.
1: And what what's your um, ethnicity, Wesley? Uh, I'm mixed
0: race. So my dad is Jamaican. My mum is white British.
1: Yeah. And Shaban is somebody, is a, a Somali guy that's, that's been put forward to speak on Barton House stuff because he lives in Barton House. Yeah. He's, he's an a- Acorn member, which we'll talk about shortly. Because the, the yeah. reason I ask you that is because one of the criticisms of the, what the mayor would say about Acorn traditionally, and I know that's not a reflection of, of Nick Ballard, the founder, who is a working class guy, but he would have seen Acorn as a mm-hmm. sort of white middle-class Marxist radical organisation. Is that mm-hmm. becoming harder mm-hmm. for him to maintain that stance now?
0: personally i i don't really understand how he could have had that stance in the first place it seems ridiculous but obviously i'm a an elected committee member there are five members on the committee three of them are not white so it it is it just goes to show again like i said just now how far out of touch marvin actually is with his city barton house the reason why we have such a big uh, kind of on-the-ground response at Barton House is because so many of them are members. Now, 95% of the community there is a Somali community. I haven't been a member of ACORN when um, Marvin has um, insinuated that ACORN are racist, which I have been told he has done, but I hmm. think is absolutely
1: bonkers. The charge was, traditionally in the past, was that ACORN were targeting landlords in Eastern, particularly those from the south asian say british pakistani community some from the caribbean community as well black british mm-hmm. communities that those landlords were being targeted by acorn and then predominantly in that era most of them would be white and, and, mm-hmm. and the mayor would see that as why are you targeting landlords in eastern why are you not going up to clifton it became a, a charge to hit acorn with and i spoke to, to nick about this directly how that sort mm-hmm. of race was being weaponized a little bit when actually a lot of the tenants that were being represented were also from minority communities and often new communities that had just come in into the city from Sudan, from Eritrea, from Somalia, mm-hmm. from, from Iraq, from wherever. And it seemed to be that race was being weaponized to sort of push back and to accuse ACORN, I guess, to put them off their stride a bit. Yeah,
0: Potentially that's why. I mean, I always find it strange when people bring up race, especially if you're going to be the mayor of Bristol and you should expect to be under scrutiny from various different people. And when somebody actually calls out some of the stuff that you do that isn't correct, to then play a race card. To uh, a particular organisation that predominantly works in black and ethnic minority areas of Bristol, it's like clutching at straws, really. It's like a little kid who, who's done something naughty and being caught out and they're just saying anything they possibly can to try to discredit the person. Do you think he caught- uses
1: it? You, in your own words, you said race car. Do you think he hides behind that to push back against any legitimate criticism?
0: Yeah, absolutely yeah,
1: do. he does okay. that in relation to Acorn. That that is me just speaking
0: from what I've been told from other Acorn members in the past. He hasn't done it as far as I know, with this last particular campaign. But I think a lot of that might be well, because my face has been out there a lot more in this campaign. In that picture, you mentioned I've got my hair out as well. Do you know what I mean? So there's no mistaking that I'm from a black and ethnic minority background. So I don't think he can turn around and, and use that this time
1: around. No. So what would he use this time around?
0: Well, he tries to... What was the last most recent thing he said? Apparently we disrupted people going in to collect their belongings from bar and house. And mm. he's just labelling us as disruptors of the peace, I guess, now at the moment.
1: Yeah, and he did also say, which is interesting, so slightly contradictory. So, yeah, disruptors of the peace, you're get, are getting in the way of process, mm-hmm. uh, not representing residents, or saying you're rep- uh, saying you're representing residents, but you're representing yourself. And all those things, and... On BBC Points West, particularly on the Barton House issue, he said when he was asked, do you feel the council have handled this as well as you could have? He answered, I think we've tried to handle it as well as we could have. What do you say? No plans to contact with the real world. He, he's called Acorn irrelevant as well. Hmm. You're irrelevant to this. Why should I even talk to you? Why should he talk to you?
0: Well, we have 40 members in the Barton House. I'm I'm glad you bring that comment up, actually, because that's one of the comments, uh, uh, one of the many comments I've read of Marvin's over the last few weeks. That actually makes me laugh, most of all. Um, To say that we're irrelevant is, is literally to say that the Barton House residents are irrelevant. You mentioned Shaban earlier on, who is an elected committee member of ACORN and a resident of Barton House. Does that make Shaban and Shaban's plight and what's happening at his home irrelevant? Absolutely not. And again, I draw back to a point I made just now. ACORN is a union made up of members of the community. To say that ACORN is irrelevant, it is literally saying that the community is irrelevant. And I don't think that is the kind of message the mayor of Bristol should be putting across, especially in a time when these residents. I mean, think of the children not knowing about what's going on and not knowing where they're going to be at Christmas. And to backhandedly call all of that irrelevant, it's
1: wrong. Let, let's just let's summarise Barton House. That's the kind of, that's the the story. It's, it's moving on. It's a fast changing situation in a mm-hmm. nutshell, 400 residents were evacuated out of Barton House think about three weeks ago after the council were alerted about problems with the flats. And they've gone in and specifically looking at three or four flats. There was a state of panic at one point because people thought mm-hmm. all their possessions were going to be taken out. People have been temporarily rehoused into various accommodation, including the Holiday Inn. And that is where you you went along to the Holiday Inn and mm-hmm. you were forced out, I don't know, whatever language you want to use. But you tried to have a conversation with the mayor, didn't you? How did that I go? Did.
0: Uh, well, it was one-sided. Um, I tried to speak to him twice on this evening. So he was stood up eating some food. Uh, I asked him if he wanted to speak to me. And uh, his response to me, I think, was, um, I'm only going to speak to people who are relevant. Uh, and then he walked away. <clears throat> um it was at that point when his security surrounded me oh, i say his security there was one uh, individual who i identified as his personal security and the rest were i believe hotel security paid for by the council's expense okay. i was then invited okay. to Marvin's goons.
1: is that right was that you guys that called them that is that right
0: well, it, it wasn't me, but some somebody certainly did, yeah, I believe. But yeah. But they it were wasn't holiday
1: insecurity, not the council security, correct? As far as I am
0: aware, personally, I believed them to be holiday insecurity. We have found out since then, though, that they were paid for by the council. So they are additional security put on at the council's expense. But yeah, they weren't Marvin's individual security. Yeah. Only one of them, I believe, was. But yeah, the security circled me. I had a counsellor, I believe her name was Ellie King, who seemed to be really intent on pushing children towards me as she was telling me that I was scaring them, which I found really strange. I was then invited to sit down with Marvin by counsellor Amal Ali, I then sat down with Marvin, tried to ask him the questions that, that the residents had raised and offer the demands that had been drawn up with Acorn and the residents. And all he did was every time I spoke, he counted up and was just like, you keep interrupting me, even though he was interrupting me. And then, and then he walked away. And uh, yeah, that's when I tried to leave, but the security tried
1: to keep me there. Security tried to keep you there?
0: Yeah, it was a real strange were- scenario. So, yeah, at, at first, they never actually told me to leave once. They were just concerned that I was recording. And then when I was trying to leave, they basically wouldn't, they were trying to keep me in the premises. So I... Why? I have no idea. I have no idea. You, I, well, I think one of, the, I know now after that, they'd called the police, but I don't know what they called the police for. I assume because... Okay, so they, they were trying to keep you me there flying.
1: so the police would arrive? But, yeah. The police they, would I, arrive to arrest, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I only assume.
0: I mean, at the time, I was just thinking there's like seven or eight blokes trying to keep me here. My instinct was, I'm going. So mm. I did.
1: Yeah. And you left and you were. Would So your you manhandled a bit, would you say? Would that be fair? Yeah, or? Well,
0: yeah I was actually punched and elbowed. So, you were punched? Okay. Yeah. So I managed to get to... So the incident started in like... I don't know if you know this, but they don't allow the residents from Barton House to eat in the restaurant in the Holiday Inn. They put them in a conference yeah. room out the back, which is where yeah. the incident started. And then there was me, like, power rugby moves out through the restaurant to try and get away. And then we got to the yeah. lift... And um, one of the security kind of grabbed me around my shirt and elbowed me as he grabbed me. I then pushed him off and he didn't like that I pushed him. So he then threw a punch, hit me right in the chin. I fell into a hotel guest. And I think he realized what he did at that point because he just vanished. And and I managed to get to the stairs and ran down the stairs and ran out and went to Sam, the head organizer for ACORN and told him what happened.
1: Are you going to press any charges?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I'm speaking to a solicitor at the moment. I also got a telephone call from the police who are arranging a voluntary interview. They told me that they're treating me as the victim because they've seen the CCTV. So I'm just waiting for that voluntary interview date to come through. Why? Yeah, so it's all, all
1: kicking off, right? To play devil's advocate a bit, because obviously the council are not here to defend themselves. Mm. Obviously the mayor has returned from Rwanda, I think, at a conference. has come back as fast as he can. has gone straight to the Holiday Inn to talk to the residents. Mm. I've seen the video of you. You are pressing him and pushing him to ask questions. He's, I think he's eating food, mm-hmm. engaging with other kind of residents would they say you were getting in the way a bit and being obstructive and stopping them from doing their job well no i don't think so just firstly like Mar- marvin reese wasn't really interacting
0: with people i spoke to some of the residents a group of ladies at a table who hadn't eaten who were really offended that marvin was there eating and there were there were other videos where you can see residents approaching marvin to speak and he's just flicking on his
1: phone So we should add at this point that what happened at the Holiday Inn remains disputed. Avon and Somerset Police have said publicly that officers attended the hotel on the Friday the 17th of November at 6.30pm, when two members of staff reported being assaulted by a man who had since left, and that two hours later the same man himself called to say he had been assaulted. The council say funds for security personnel are part of the emergency housing contract. It's signed with Holiday Inn, but they are the hotel's responsibility. We asked the Holiday Inn uh, to comment and they have not responded. Councillor Eddie King has said on Twitter that Wesley, this is a quote, shouted and ranted at Marvin in front of families and children eating their dinner. We offer the mayor's office the chance to comment further on the points raised by Wesley in this interview, but they could not and did not reply uh, within the deadline we set. Council has in fact not responded to repeated requests for comment on certain issues related to Barton House since the evacuation took place on the 14th of November. Before we go any further, a little clarification on the numbers evacuated from Barton House. A figure of 400 people being moved out the 98 flat block has been widely quoted in the media and in fact I say 600 in this, which is a slip-up. We've now asked Bristol City Council for the true figure and they say it's more like 250 people and this is according to a recent audit. They say directly from a spokesperson, the 400 figure seems to have been wrong all along. Logs of people leaving Barton House were taken when people were presenting for accommodation support and a more thorough audit undertaken uh, when we had accounted for the whereabouts of all households. They claim that um, the 400 figure is an overestimate but this is a quote nobody has corrected the record Acorn themselves however have told the Cable that they are aware of people who were living in Barton House at the time of the evacuation and who the council did not know about a union organiser said they were sure the true numbers evacuated are far higher than the total quoted by the council but they could not say by how much
0: On the point of like me potentially being disruptive, I was invited down there. Acorn have a, a group chat with the Barton House residents where they regularly ask for help and post statements and stuff like that. And we were specifically asked to go to the Holiday Inn to Bart, uh, by
1: your residents and the members of Acorn. Yeah. That's right. What what's the percentage of residents at Barton House that are members of Acorn? Well,
0: around ten percent of the residents of Barton House are members. That that figure has gone up since um, I was told
1: 20 percent is that not
0: right? Maybe now since the Barton House evacuation, I know that we've been on the ground every single day at Cafe Conscious. So potentially that number yeah. has gone up. But
1: yeah, so you may be more informed okay. than I on that one. So so a sizable proportion of people. How many residents? So of six hundred residents, let's say my math is not brilliant. Was twenty yeah. percent of you're talking? You're talking almost up to a hundred. Yeah. Residents. Yeah. And, and that that's are just Acorn members. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And I, I think it's really important as well to understand that, that we're just talking about Barton House now, but we have members all over that area. East Bristol mm. is our most densest population of members. So although this tragedy happened in that one particular building, that doesn't mean to say that it doesn't affect the whole area, the whole neighborhood. And that's a significant amount of Acorn members, which is why obviously we're so on the ground and we're so. Involved yep. in what we do for Barton House residents going forward.
1: Yep. I want to drill into the relationship between Acorn and the council, not not just Mayor Marvin Rees, but the, the inner circle around the council and how that's developed and changed. Hmm. I do know, and I've been told by various people that the council told residents from Barton House not to communicate to Acorn. Yeah, that's right. Also, I do know this from some people in the media. They were told not necessary to talk to the media until the situation had died down. Why is there such a lack of trust between the council and Acorn? Because there wasn't always, because you had a good relationship several years ago, pre-election, I saw photos mm-hmm. and there were housing partnerships were developing. What's happened mm-hmm. a- along the way to get to this point where it's broken down a bit, the relationship, hasn't it?
0: Yeah. And I mean, I'm not sure really what has happened there. Like you say, there's various pictures and correspondences between Acorn and the council going way back. And I mean, I think if I was to hazard a guess based on what I know of Acorn and the campaigns, it seems that Bristol City Council or all for community unions when they're endorsing or on the side of the council. But when it comes to us standing up for our members against the council, that's when like the underhanded tactics come out and the relationship starts to break down. Because really and truly in an ideal world, having uh, a community union like ACORN working hand in hand with Bristol City Council could be bliss for the housing in Bristol, you know, and not just housing, but You take that one point, we could really help. We had, I don't know if you know anything about the CJ Hole campaign, then the ban the bids, but we've had CJ Hole come to Acorn and ask us to offer training on how they can be better for their tenants. So to have a massive multinational company like that come over and ask us to do that shows that we must be doing good stuff. So it seems a shame that the relationship we have with the council isn't as good as it should be. But I can only say that's down to gripes that the council have with us, as opposed to us having gripes with the council.
1: Yeah. Is it maybe the tactics that they see that perhaps, you know, we mentioned about the storming mm. of, of of City Hall or obviously mm-hmm. the tactics, uh, for those that don't know of ACORN, it's direct action, sort of guerrilla yeah. tactics a bit. You will target a business or a landlord's home, or you will provide a ring of defense around someone's house if they're under threat of eviction. And that gets a lot of media attention. I think you've been really successful at engaging the media with that. And Mm -hmm. perhaps they see those tactics as being not how we do politics or how they do politics.
0: They may see it that way, but we're not a political organization. We're a group of people, group of community and communities who come together and offer direct action to help our members. I understand and I accept that some of the actions that we take might rub people the wrong way and they might not like it, but that's exactly why they Mm -hmm. work. Like we never go beyond the law. We always stay within the parameters, but we just know and understand that direct action is usually the best thing to do. We could sit around and mm. send emails and make telephone calls, which can be ignored. But if I'm a landlord and I want to kick somebody out of my property because I decided I want to sell it and I don't want to sell it with a sitting tenant and then someone sends me a letter, I could ignore it. But if I turn up to evict that, that person from a property and there's 50 people stood outside blocking my way i have to listen you know so yeah th- that's why we do it because it gets results i think the fact that we always stay within the parameters of the law and we always assess every action before we do it we're not just a, mm. a bunch of a group of guerrilla people who just decide to go and do something one day and then just descend like we we make sure that we are working safely it's an organized
1: it's an organized conscious decision to be tactically controversial to name and shame landlords that's a deliberate conscious decision to do that absolutely yeah Yeah, absolutely has there ever been a time when you felt maybe you can't speak for everybody even you personally felt like oh i don't know we've gone a bit over the top here maybe this is a bit no i don't know this is a bit over the top no
0: No, 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 no. In my honest opinion, personally, and I often say this to some of the organizers in ACORN, I sometimes feel that we could be a little bit more, a little bit sooner. A bit, more, a bit more
1: bolder you'd yeah. like to see, would you? Yeah, yeah. But like for example,
0: yeah. we let me just tell you a quick a little story. We were going to do an action yeah. against a landlady who was um, evicting 21 of her tenants at the same time, right? It yeah. came to light that she had a homeless charity. So yeah. we were going to go and set up a soup kitchen and feed the homeless in our front garden so Mm. we're all up for doing bold things so long as they're within the parameters of the law but i'm of the opinion that you need to make a statement when you're going to do an action like this Mm. much like the city hall things when we stormed in city hall and we knew that we were going to stand up individually and not let the meeting carry on and it was pre-planned we were going to be heard and that was the bottom line
1: this is the advert bit mate. We've got a new campaign at the Bristol Cable. It's called Beyond the Bullshit. And it's basically putting up two fingers to the right wing media, millionaire owned newspapers. Don't buy into their whipping up of division and hatred. Become a member of Bristol's independent community owned media, the Bristol Cable. Let me talk about that then, Wesley. Let me talk about that, City Hall, because that's a really good example that you raised, that that was an event that was organised very quickly off the back of the Barton House situation. Yeah. And I was there. I went down and um, you took over the lobby of City Hall. You had a platform where people were speaking. Many of the residents were speaking. But what I was really... I wouldn't say surprised because I've seen it before, but almost a bit taken aback, was the amount of media that were there. It wasn't just a sort of cable 24-7 post. It was the TV. It was the radio. Mm. You're very good at getting the media to pay attention to what Acorn is doing. You're the comms officer, so you clearly this is part of what you do. How, how do you do it?
0: Well, I I would probably not take any credit for us doing it. I just think that given I have struggled to how to put it into words, but I think the media are always interested in what we do because we get results, and I think that the media and probably most people who actually have a chance to speak to us and hear about what we're about actually get on board, which is why I believe we generate so much interest when we actually do an action because we we only do actions that benefit the community or benefit a member of the community. So I think that just naturally generates interest, especially in Bristol. People are interested in local knowledge and local news. Do you know what I mean?
1: I think it very much is that. But you could say that about anything, couldn't you? But I also know a lot of people try and get media attention for events or things they do, and they don't get that. Yeah. But Acorn have yeah. always been good at this, not just local media, yeah. national media as well. And I just sort yeah. of saw this event, and it was almost like a bloody press conference. The way it was structured and the way you had people speaking, it felt organised. It was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And I think what appeals to the media is it is quite emotive. It, people are shouting, shame on you. There's a lot of shouting and energy there, and that lends itself quite well to particularly broadcast media, like the radio and the TV mm-hmm. and stuff. And I I wonder how much of that, I guess, whipping stuff up is part of the media game a little bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it was great, but you're right about the kind of like whipping up the enthusiasm. We deal with emotive issues, you know, and it wasn't so hard on that day at City Hall to get people to speak because obviously everybody already had their own opinions, their own thoughts, their own feelings. You know, they'd all just been moved into this terrible hotel, kicked out of their home. So, I mean, we did release a press release beforehand. So we did tell the media that we were going to be there. And I think given that it was such a big story anyway, I think that attracted the media. Mm. But yeah, I think it's a very valuable tool for us in terms of campaign to like whip up that enthusiasm about stuff and kind of make things be emotive because nine times out of 10, we're dealing with things that are going to affect people's livelihoods or are going to change people's lives potentially. So those emotive feelings and that emotional kind of atmosphere, I think is essential.
1: You need, yeah, you need people to pay attention to what you're doing. And that, I guess that's the way to, through the media, you can shift sometimes public policy as well
0: yeah the media is almost like a little bit of a, an outsource so if we If we find ourselves on the news or we have media around, we can say what we're saying on behalf of our members to a much wider range of people than mm. we can if we're just doing it at our monthly members' meeting or if we're going around knocking doors trying to explain yeah. what and to tell people about our campaigns, so it gives us a much wider reach as well, which is obviously valuable,
1: yeah. Right, I'm just going to move on a little bit to some of the specifics of of Barton House itself. As you say, obviously, residents were moved out quite quickly. I think this story is going to to roll on and roll on. I know you've called as an organisation for a public inquiry into this, and that that may well, at Mm. some point, be the case. What did the council not do Mm. that they should have done at the point of evacuation?
0: Well... I guess that totally depends on what the truth is in terms of how long they, they knew about the issues with Barton House. I mean, if I'm being honest as a human being, like if you suddenly find out that there are problems with a building, then you absolutely should get everybody out there as quickly as you can. And I understand that there can be little to no warning, but... The stories we're
1: hearing about, you know, they knew Sorry, if they sorry to jump in, if they didn't do that, there was a fire in, in, in Bristol, wasn't there, in one of the one of the flats where somebody died, obviously you had Grenfell and stuff like that. It's they would be house, criticized yeah. for not doing that if they didn't. Yeah, yeah. To a house, So they would be criticized yeah, absolutely. for not doing anything. To-
0: yeah, absolutely. There's loads of stuff that's come to light since the evacuation of Barton House. There was an article I saw on Bristol 24 seven. So the uh, Barton House was evacuated in 1968 for structural integrity problems. So it would lead yeah. me to ask a question. Well, what happened then? Why wasn't it reinforced? And if it was, how was that yeah. stuff missed? But then you go back to yeah. last year, we had a campaign a safe. the towers campaign where and the fire safety campaign and the council released letters 14 months ago it was now saying that everything is fine so there have been opportunities over the past years where surveys and potentially these things could have been found out now so it leads you to yeah. think like either way for me the but council are have all done stuff- wrong
1: okay but those are all things that, that have, have come to light since haven't they you know there is this report commissioned seven years ago that they should have looked at some structural issues there. There is this whole thing around large mm-hmm. panel systems generally in in high risers. And there is this a thing around, could this have been effectively communicated earlier? What knowledge did they know mm-hmm. that they haven't put out there? But in that mm-hmm. immediate aftermath, in that exact moment of when you decided to do this event at City Hall, What were people campaigning against? Well, people wanted to know what was happening. At that exact moment, there were no press releases or any
0: releases from the council letting them know how long they were going to be out of their house, what the council were going to do in terms to make it safer for them to go back or where they might potentially go. At that point, they were told to pack clothes for three to four days and leave. And that was
1: it. So we were down there demanding answers. So this was fundamentally a communication problem. They weren't communicating efficiently and effectively enough. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. If at all. Obviously, um, given the council's position on ACORN, they're not going to be releasing things directly to us. But as I said, we have a significant amount of members in the building. And if any communication had come from the council, we would have seen it. Even the non-members in the the WhatsApp group that we have are asking ACORN members, have you heard anything from the council? So nobody was told anything.
1: And so let me pick up on that a bit then, that I think, from my understanding, my knowledge is that some of the residents actually found out through the media before they found out from the council. It came out through a journalist. I spoke to that journalist at this event and asked him the question, which is, and I know this as a journalist myself, it is quicker to get things out than mm-hmm. perhaps a council. Would you accept that just putting briefs, putting something out for the media or just telling the residents that as a council, they have a sort of duty to make sure they've got their facts correct? to check on the situation, to communicate perhaps to the fire brigade, perhaps to other authorities, to then set a press conference, to then come out. The, the very nature is, there, is a there are more things to consider than just putting the trigger on something that they know about before they get to that point. Would you accept that?
0: To a certain degree, yes. But I think the council's priority should always be the people, right? And um, they needed to weigh up how safe the building is and the fears and worries of of the residents who lived there. Just to touch on a little point, a lady from um, City Hall, one of the residents, Anne, she made a point and she was on the news. She was like, look, if we were in there and a Mm -hmm. plane or there was a sudden impact and the building exploded and collapsed, we'd have no chance to get out. And if there was a fire in there, we'd have some chance to get out. So she'd been there 30 years, she said, and nothing had happened to the building. So she didn't believe that anything was going to happen then. So the point of me saying that is that I think with such a wide range in view, from the residents on how safe it is and how unsafe it is and who wants to stay there and who doesn't I think the council could have managed it a hell of a lot better in terms of dealing with the residents in the first instance instead of these residents just coming home from work in some cases and finding their families outside crying and upset because they'd just been kicked out so although I do respect the council Mm. in terms of they have a job to do and maintain public safety and make sure everything runs smoothly I just believe in a situation like that, they should have been a little bit more forward with the residents in the block beforehand.
1: Perhaps they could have, if we both accept that there is a there is a process they have to get through. They've got to go through some hoops that Acorn probably don't and neither do my people, so to speak, in the media. If we accept mm. that's true. One thing that I find slightly confusing is that bearing in mind, this was quite a fast moving chaotic situation. Could they have put out like some kind of holding statement Just to say, we're not quite clear at the moment what everything's happening. Bear with us. It's a difficult situation. We understand, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just to sort of allay the fears a bit. That's the one thing I'm a bit confused about that they perhaps could have done, but didn't.
0: They absolutely could have done that. It wouldn't have been hard to do that. After we'd, uh, well, not we'd spoke to the council, but after we'd highlighted to the council that there had been no communication, there is now a regular daily update texted to every single resident of Barton House who was signed up to that text messaging service. Now, yeah, something right. like that got set up in less than 24 hours. So I agree that they could have done something like that at the very beginning, and then at least people would have known what was happening you know and they could have I mean because how do you explain to your child that they can't go home when you can't even tell them why they can't go home Mm. so some kind of line of communication I believe was essential from the council at the very beginning but it just didn't come
1: prompt enough no and how much of that do you think was because the mayor wasn't in the country if he's not in the country and it did break as quickly
0: as they're saying that it happened, that they found out, then I can't really lay all the blame at his feet because, you know, he was out of the country. There's housing ministers or there's people in the council who could have helped. Well, I think um,
1: they were pushing forward on Radio 4 and they're pushing forward to Kai Kai Dud, who's one of the leads in in that area. I think uh, Deputy Mayor Craig Cheney was on ITV, possibly BBC, I can't remember. Oh, I think on the evening, you came across quite well, to be fair. I think from their perspective as politicians... Obviously, I would imagine none of them really want this situation to happen. And it's probably quite new to some of them to deal with.
0: Yeah, yeah potentially. But if you're going to put yourself in a position of authority... In a local authority or a local council, then you should be adaptable enough to be able to deal with stuff like that to a reasonable standard at a moment's notice. Mm. I go back to what I said at the near beginning of the uh, interview, you know, like I never give credit when you do things that you're supposed to do or you're expected to do. I, I can't give these guys credit because they didn't do What they did fast enough and what they did do has been bare minimal. You only have to look at the food these residents from Barton House are eating to know that Mm. the council was totally unprepared for this. Now, you know, like you say just now, there's a wide problem in Bristol with LPS tower blocks and there's various Mm. issues with housing in Bristol. You would expect that the housing team in Bristol City Council would be so, so on point with what they're doing Mm because
1: of the housing crisis and and other issues. One of the key things in this, the key questions which will emerge, there's obviously the response in the moment, and you can debate how effective that was or that wasn't. And obviously a lot of the residents and certainly Acorn, as you say, feel it wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, the key question is, how long did the council actually know this was an issue? Exactly. Um, The Cable did write an article where... We, it came to light to us that surveyors in a, in a fire safety report said so the council were warned in 2019 of problems with steel structures in that building. Mm-hmm. The seven years ago, there was this report. As you say, there's something going back to the 60s. There's a number of things there. And this is mm-hmm. a national picture as well with high-rises. There's a number of things there which is, why didn't you act sooner? And I don't know mm-hmm. this, but I do wonder if that might have been part of the hesitation in what to do and how to act because there was a video that I did see from the... De- this is a direct quote, so this is not my opinion, saying that one of the reasons we're acting now is because we want to avoid manslaughter charges or something like that, which was by oh, wow. Asher Craig, yeah, okay. which somebody which somebody filmed or something to that account. We can probably clip that up. Mm-hmm. A kind of fear that the council could be in deep trouble here with some of this stuff, if they're shown not to have acted effectively. So yeah. it's about damage, reputation and legal protection, perhaps. And there's that. So so, so, that's, so I think this story will wander and move on. I think and so. And we'll know, we'll have more answers to this as it evolves. But I also know that Acorn themselves are asking for specific demands for residents and they include, you want an independent investigation into what happened, Correct. That's right, yeah. You want residents to be rehoused on the same rent or less and to have like a I guess a rest period for rent yeah. over the next sort of month or two? Yeah.
0: So that's two demands rolled into one. So we've got a separate demand, which is if they can't stay in Barton House, they have to be rehoused locally and on the same rent. And then separately we want November's rent to be reimbursed and then rent to be paused until this fiasco is sorted out. And compensation? Compensate, yeah, residents must be compensated for any costs incurred. And we, uh, and a significant point we think is some mental health support because this is obviously yeah. a significant issue and lots of people are going to need that, we think.
1: So, yeah. all those seem seem, from my perspective, quite reasonable demands. Uh, yeah, How I is that so. being received by the council? We
0: haven't heard a single syllable back. Okay.
1: Like, is that because of the relationship, perhaps?
0: I can only assume so. I, yeah, anything I could say on that would be speculation. I don't know because I'm of the opinion with you, you know, I think that they're more than reasonable demands and they're not demands written by ACORN, by the way. Like those are demands written by yeah. the residents and just put forward yeah. by ACORN. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think they're unreasonable and I, f- I find it really concerning actually that we haven't even had a, a, a response to to that. You would have thought that the independent investigation into the safety of the blocks around the area would just be a given considering what's happening or what happened. Well, um,
1: I I don't know. I think that decision may well be taken out of the council's hands, I suspect.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, my partner lives in a, a different block around the area and we were told two weeks ago that if we don't let the council in to survey the kitchen, they would gain access themselves. So... My partner and I believe that the council are are aware or at the very least believe that these issues might be in other blocks as well. And they're just not being transparent about it. But um, I guess we'll find out the answer to that in the future.
1: So what is the, for you then, uh, as this moves forward, as we speak now, there are still residents but I think it's going to be extended for those that are at the Holiday Inn and, and, and elsewhere. I guess your role being a sort of campaigning for your members that are residents to be treated well and have the right food and right accommodation. And there has been some issues around that as well.
0: Yeah, lots of residents are finding the food situation really difficult. I mean, I mentioned earlier, lots of the community are from Barton House are, are Somali or Arabic. So they require halal food. They have no way of knowing whether their food is halal. Mm -hmm. Even the food that that can be eaten comes with bones and like it's just not suitable for children. So that's a real, real significant point. And um, I'm glad that you bring that up because one of the main things that ACORN are going to be trying to do in the near future is to try to look for the community to help feed them, help feed the residents instead of making them go through the hassle they have with the food at the hotel because lots of them are going back to their houses in Barton House to cook before they go back to the hotel yep. to sleep, which is obviously not mm-hmm. feasible, especially if the building is dangerous. So we're going to lo- yep. we're gonna be looking into trying to get some local businesses to, to cater for Barton House residents in the near future. But long term, we'll never obviously stop campaigning for our members at Barton House and we'll always try to do our best for them where the council fails. So I guess all we yeah. can do is just make sure that we're still around and on the ground and involved and able, mm. willing and able to do things that are asked of us.
1: And the final thing is to address those criticisms and just to give an indication of the, the work you will continue to do. Aidan Harris, who's a, who's a connected to Bristol 24 seven tweeted, it said at some point, Acorn have to stop behaving like this. Mm. In relation to holiday insecurity. these guards are not Marvin's goons. It's childish politics. And to what end do they continue to whip up more anger? Councillor Ellie King, who you referred to earlier, says, replied to that saying, thanks for bringing some balance, Aidan. The man lied to get past security, whose job is to protect the privacy of residents, then shouted and ranted at Marvin in front of families and children eating their dinner. Really upsetting. Is this, this is obviously an attempt to discredit what you do. How, how much validity and how much truth to that is there? And how would you respond? And is this going to affect any tactics that you <laughs> use going forward? Are you going to be meek and mild and polite and knock on no. the door and stand outside and, and wait to be invited in?
0: No, it's just not my nature. Um, you 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 say you heard the video. I stand by what I said in the video. Like I personally and ACORN will always be there standing up and speaking up for those who can't speak up for themselves as for councillor ellie king right in that that's libel. i didn't shout or swear so okay she probably shouldn't have said that but going forward you know we 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 are acorn we are the community the community is us and it doesn't matter how many councillors how many mayors how many people on twitter who are former Oh, it doesn't. I won't go into that, but it doesn't matter who says yeah. anything, we will never ever mm. stop fighting for our community. Ever. So, you know, we're here to
1: stay. So you're definitely not a bunch of radical political activists. No, we're not political. Bourgeois Marxists, white middle class, you know, rep- falsely representing residents, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely it, not, true. It, not true. Not true in your case, of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy, yeah. like you know, we we are the people. And the people are us. And that's why I find it so funny that Marvin and Ellie King and other people try to separate Acorn from the community. Like, it really cracks me up because if it wasn't for the community, we literally wouldn't be here. We are an organization of people from the community, helping people from the community. Now, I don't see in what world that it can ever be considered a bad thing.
1: But that's got to be a strategy surely that's got to be the 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 tactic which is as you say to create daylight between who acorn are and residents and to say that actually you aren't representative because if you are then they have to engage with acorn surely
0: yeah it is a tactic to try and separate us because i mean separated we're easy easier to be defeated for one of Mm. a different phrase but it it really is funny because (laughs) We, like I said, and say it again, I sound like a parrot. Like we are literally made up of the community.
1: Like we are the community. From an outside perspective, without being trying to be too kumbaya about it at all, really, you would have thought an organisation that's there to represent, as you say, communities, uh, in specifically in, de- in deprived areas, communities and people that are uh, affected by issues to do with bad landlords and. Specific things around protecting rights and protecting mm. people and the safety is really something that a Labour administration should be supporting. No, absolutely. It, I would, you know, I would expect a Tory administration not to. Maybe Lib Dems okay. could be a bit flaky, but a Labour party, it, pff, the Greens seem to get on quite well with Acorn now, don't they? But more and more increasingly so. We get on really, well. So. really well. That's an odd thing to me. Labour is a, a working union, isn't it? But I probably think that maybe you guys need to get around the table and and find your find the middle ground somewhere.
0: Well, absolutely. We've been calling for it. I call for it now, Marvin. If you're listening, man, come and sit with us. Let's have a conversation. It's all we ever want. Come and sit and have tea with me, like I did with Councillor Yassin just yesterday.
1: There you go. There you go. And, and a nice way to end. That's he's a nice way to end. Uh, an olive branch for a cup of tea. Yeah, uh, come on, have a cup of tea and, and <laughs> Yorkshire
0: tea. None that. of the crap stuff.
1: Big thanks to Wesley Baer, the Communications Officer of the Bristol branch of Acorn, for joining us on this episode of Bristol Unpacked. And we will be back next time with another great guest and a fantastic topic. I'm Neil Mags. Big thanks to our production team from the Bristol Cable in collaboration with Ession Noise. Also, Blue Dot for our music.